Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. This man had friends who were going to show love and compassion. You see, couples, your best friend should be your spouse. See, your children are given to your house to raise to God and then to leave home. Did you know that? But they will leave and you're left with your spouse. You need to be a friend now. You need to be working on that now. You need to be allowing God to minister to you. In this life, we have plates that are full. We have obligations at work and at home. We have family, friends, and co-workers we deal with on a regular basis. We have bills to pay, mouths to feed, and homes to tend to. Our lives are full of things vying for our attention. Well, in today's lesson, we'll be given the exhortation to slow down and evaluate our lives. Pastor Mark will ask, what's your number one priority? For some people, it's their spouse, children, even pets. Maybe it's your career or life goals. Well, as believers, our number one priority should be our relationship with God. When we put Him first, everything else will fall into its rightful place. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. I'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the gospel. Jesus is going to talk this morning about priorities in our life. What should be first? Sometimes we get our priorities, not just stupidly, but sometimes we get our priorities mixed up. Let's look at chapter 2, verse 1. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. Remember, Jesus had been around Galilee and different to the different areas of Galilee, and he was now coming back to the place where he had started, probably Andrew and Peter's home, but we're not sure exactly where it is. But he came home to Capernaum, which is that seaport in the Galilee area. Verse 2, so many gathered there, there was no room left, not even outside the, the door. So the word of got around town. And you remember when Jesus left before, there was healings. People were delivered from demons. He was teaching wonderfully in the synagogue. So the word got out very quickly that he was back in town. People swarmed the house. Everywhere there was people. You see, that, that begins to share with us, I think this morning, a priority. People are a priority with God. See, people are important. Whenever Jesus was around, there was excitement. His love for people attracted people. Sometimes we go to church and we're condemned rather than loved. Jesus loved people. He would speak to their sin, but he loved people. After all, every one of us were created to be in fellowship with God. Every one of us. And so Jesus loved people. They were a priority in his life. Are they a priority in your life? You see, when we go to heaven, nothing will go to heaven but people. So people were a priority. It was an exciting place to be when Jesus was there. First things first, people. Look at the end of verse 2. As he was there, he preached the word to them. What else would you preach but the word? 
What else? Watch TV. There's a lot of things that are taught that are not the Word. Psychology 101, experiences. I watched a couple things last night just flipping through and some this morning. I thought, how, how sad. The Word isn't even taught. But Jesus here taught the Word. It was a priority. It's a priority with us. It should be a priority with you. Now, we're going to notice, as we always do when we enter these pictures, that we're going to be part of the crowd. So today, this is going to be the home of Peter, and you're going to be there. And Jesus is here teaching and exciting. One of four different characters that you'll be able to put yourself in this morning. So I want you to be thinking about that. There's four characters, and we'll go through them one by one. So you'll be able to take your shoes off, put your sandals in of one of these four characters. The first character we meet is called the desperate. Let's look at verse 3. And some men came, bringing to him Jesus, a paralytic, carried by four of them. Now, we really don't know anything more about the paralytic than what you see. We don't know whether he'd been paralyzed from birth or because of an accident or sin or whatever in his life. Recently, he'd been paralyzed. We don't have any understanding of this. But we do know what paralytic meant. I mean, somebody like we see today, somebody whose body was twisted, his muscles and bones were twisted, and he probably was laying on a cot or a mat all his life. He spent most of his time on his back looking at the ceiling, which I think will be interesting today as we go through. Probably couldn't turn over, had to have somebody help him. We don't know if he could talk. We don't know how he could eat, if he had to be fed. But with most paralytics in those days, this man was desperate. He was hopeless. He was helpless. He was dependent probably on every area of his life for somebody else. So the Bible says here's a, here's a paralytic that was paralyzed, hopeless, looking for help. I think when we see the physical nature of this man that we can equate it to our own lives today. Your life this morning. You see, some of us are paralyzed in our relationships, not physically. Some of you are in a marriage this morning and it's paralyzed. There's not much hope. There's pain. It's contorted. Some of you are in a relationship with your daughter or son who's left God. Some of you are having financial problems. You're paralyzed with your situation this morning. Some of you are paralyzed with fear. Tremendous fear just floods your life. You're paralyzed. You really can't act normal. Some of you this morning are paralyzed with bitterness because of unforgiveness. You've been hurt and you refuse to allow the healing of God to come in your life. And you're paralyzed. So as we go through this morning, maybe that's you, not in a wheelchair or not on a cot, but you recognize you resemble this paralytic this morning. If so, watch what God does to this desperate man's life. Maybe you are get indeed here this morning without hope. Watch what Jesus does. That brings us to the second type of people, and that's the determined. The determined. Look at verse 3. It says, Some men came 
Some men came, and the last part of that verse says, carried by four of them. So there was four men that came into this paralytic's life. First things first, friends should be a priority in your life. This man, even though he was paralyzed, had one great thing going for him. He had four friends. It's good to have friends, isn't it? It's wonderful. And yet in our world today, real friends are a rarity. We live isolated. We kind of hide our desperate lives ourselves. Think about it in your own subdivision. You drive home, you push the button, the door goes up, you drive your car in, you push the button, the door goes down, you mow the lawn, you say hi to your neighbor, you drive by, you wave. Our lives are isolated. Not too many friends. Some of you even come here. You come in, you come out, you say hi, you shake a hand, but there's no relationships. You haven't put yourself out to become a friend. And see, without friends, life is lonely. You were never created to be without friends. We're created to be people that need other people. This man was paralyzed, but he had four friends. So he was rich in that sense. This man had friends who were going to show love and compassion. You see, couples, your best friend should be your spouse. See, your children are given to your house to raise to God and then to leave home. Did you know that? But they will leave and you're left with your spouse. You need to be a friend now. You need to be working on that now. You need to be allowing God to minister to you. As you look at this situation, these four men bring us an example of what's going to happen if you're a friend. Number one, if you're a friend, it's going to cost you something. The first thing we see that happens is this meeting with Jesus is going on. These four men are not in the meeting. They're in a house some way away getting ready to try to bring their friend to the meeting. They've missed the meeting. If they were selfish, they could have gone and got front row seats. They could have got to the house early. They could be there enjoying the fellowship, but they're away from the meeting. See, it was costing them some time. By the way, in those days, these seats, you wouldn't have to sell them. Jesus was here. They're always filled. So these guys, it was going to cost them some time. They were away from the crowd, but it was worth it because they had a compassion for this friend of theirs who was a paralyzed. Also, it's going to stretch you. You're going to get into circumstances if you're a real friend that's going to stretch you. You're going to see it's going to stretch these guys because they're going to pick up a stretcher and actually be stretched, well, stressed too, as they walk. So we see from the scripture this morning that if you're going to be a friend, really, it's going to cost you. But what a way to live. Look at verse 4. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd. You have to picture these men. These four men, they didn't have, you know, our hospital gurneys or whatever. They didn't have a cart they could roll on. They weren't able to give the man a cortisone injection before he went or work on with some physical therapy with him or whatever. There was none of those kind of things. They probably had some cloth and they stretched it maybe with a piece of wood on both sides. We don't know. Anyway, here's four men trying to carry a basically a grown man on dirt roads. Tough, difficult situation. So it says as they begin... This trip, we don't know how close they are to the house where Jesus is. We don't have any idea. 
But as they're carrying this man, they, they turn the corner wherever and they look and there's the house. Can't even see the house. People everywhere. Out the door. Kids on the windowsill. The house is just swarming with people. You see, the crowd was so big, it was going to interfere with their desire to get their friend to Jesus. That brings us to the third group this morning. That's the crowd. You see, the crowd are like you, like me. They were in church. They had come to hear Jesus teach. They had come to see miracles. They had come to sit and listen and watch what took place. Like today, much of the crowd were onlookers, spectators. You see, they were preoccupied with themselves. They were oblivious to the need of the man outside the door. They were only concerned with their own needs. The poor desperate man couldn't get to Jesus because of the good crowd. Indirectly, the crowd blocked the man from getting to Jesus. They didn't do anything like say, get out of here. You can't come in. They just indirectly, by being more concerned of themselves than others, they were blocking this man from coming to Jesus. They were ignoring the outsider. I think that's a real lesson for all of us this morning in church. Because of our selfish nature that we all have, I think we have to be careful not to indirectly keep people from coming to meeting Jesus. You know, even in church, we can indirectly block people from meeting Jesus. The same in our lives when we're involved in trying as a crowd to be who we need to be. We, we need to be open to allowing the Spirit to speak to us as we live our daily life. Indirectly, because sometimes we're so selfish in our own being that we bypass the people that Jesus brings to our door. So, make sure this morning as part of the crowd that you just don't have the crowd mentality. Jesus, you'll see in a moment, thinks of individuals. We have to think the same way. Look at verse 4. Since they could not get to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. So we're back to these friends. They've come to the outside of the house. It's jammed with people. They come to something that happens in our lives. What kind of friend are you going to be? When it gets tough, you say, well, I really didn't bargain for this. So their decision is this. When they get there and they've got these four guys, they probably put the man on the ground and they're thinking, okay, no way to get into this place. I guess we'll just turn around and walk back. We did what we could and that's it. So they have a decision to make, either to give up or find a way to meet Jesus. You'll see a true friend really perseveres. They look for an opening. I believe one of the guys probably said this to the man there. We're not going to give up. We're going to let our friend down. Let our friend down. Follow me. We're headed to the roof. Somebody had an idea. One of the four. There's always somebody that's got a kooky idea, isn't there? And this guy probably says, we're not going to give up. He was the cheerleader of the group. So he said, we're going to take this man up to the 
roof and we're going to make a hole in it. Now in those days, we're going to picture the roof as this. It was different than this. It'd be some wood structures and, and there'd be some branches and some twigs and some dirt and they'd pile dirt about that deep on top of it. And they'd pack it down and water it and with the sun coming, it would bake it. So it'd be a nice big thick roof and it'd be hard. So this man is saying, as they go around to the back of the house, and most of the homes had flat roofs like that, and the back of the house or the side of the house, they have these stairs that would go right up to the roof because they would spend some time up there. So they went around the back. You can picture them going around the back. You can picture people looking, what are these idiots doing? They're going to try to carry this guy up these stairs. Now, how many of you are always the one at the back here going up the stairs when they go up? That's right. Well, there they go. They're, they're going up the stairs, and here's this man there. Now, as they go up there, I believe not all four of the guys were excited about this. Probably one of them was a realist. And here's what he's thinking as he's carrying it up. We're crazy. We're going to break into a roof. We're going to tear a roof apart. How much is it going to cost to fix the roof? See, that's the realist. The other one, the, the other realist is going to say this. We're going to interrupt Jesus. Wait a minute now. Is that the right thing to do, to interrupt a service? But the optimist, he doesn't listen to any of that. He starts digging. The optimist. I heard this week, a 14-year-older, here's what she said, Megan. A realist is more correct about things in life than an optimist. That's true. But the optimist seems to have more friends and much more fun. What are you? Probably if you're married, one of you is a realist and one of you is an optimist. That's good. God's got a great sense of humor. Be balanced, but have fun. I think if you're going to be a friend, we need to be an optimistic friend, don't we? Somebody persevered. When it got tough, they said, it's okay. We're going to find a way. First things first. You see, people mattered more to this friend than a roof. Your wife should matter more than a 10-buck plane ride or your husband. You see, we look at life and very often things mean more than people. Parent, if I would sit with your children and ask them, what's more important, things or people? What would they say from your home? Parent, are you more concerned about your Style of car, the swimming pool, the second job, the extra hours of promotion, mom, the career, than you are spending time at the soccer field with your kids, taking a walk, bringing them to Sunday school, living the life. You see, we look at these guys and say, well, I would never let my wife, for 10 bucks, no way, I would never, you know, no way, people are important to me. Are they? Are your kids important to you? Are they really important to you? Then you need to spend time with them. Mom and Dad, you need to be a friend to your children. It should be there. And I think it's important for all of us as we look out that things don't become more important than people. It's very easy to happen. Don't put things ever before people in your life. We spend so much time with things. Some of you have no friends here. I already mentioned that, but you have no friends here. You haven't put yourself out. When you go home this afternoon, invite somebody over for dinner. 
go and get three Whoppers or whatever, and who cares, and sit down and meet a friend. Don't be lonely. And these guys were on the roof. They're tearing up the roof. You see, the roof didn't matter. Their friend mattered. It was important. Put yourself in that place. <laughs> we're here. All of a sudden, you hear this. I imagine Jesus went, hello. What's happening here? See, Jesus is going to be totally interrupted in his service. That's okay. He can handle it. Sometimes God will interrupt us right in the middle of something we think is important with something more important. So they're hearing this. And here we have all of you people. You're there. And you have the Pharisees. You've got to, you've got to picture it. They're there with their holy robes clean. And pretty soon, as you can imagine, from up above, you see these dust particles. And then twigs, boom, and all the stuff's coming. The Pharisees are going like this. I love it. And pretty soon you see this little hole, and you can see the sky. And then a skylight the size of a body. And then, we don't know how, we have no idea how, through bed, bedding or whatever, this man is lowered in front of Jesus. On his back, as always, looking up, I thought, when I studied, I got up this morning and just we worked a couple of things, I thought this was really interesting. Always he'd been looking at a blank wall, ceiling up there. This morning he sees light. Something's different. He's excited. Something's going to happen in his life. So here he is. You've got to picture the crowd. Can you see the four guys up on top? We did it! We did it! They defeated Satan. You see, Satan always wants to keep us from allowing people to reach Jesus. But these guys were determined friends. Whatever it took, they were going to see Jesus. Look at verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith. Whose faith? The four. The four guys' faith. See, we like to say we're faith people or whatever. We're not a faith church. We're, well, we believe in faith. Certainly it's biblical. We, people will say, I have great faith. Well, James really gives us the answer to that. Show me your great faith. You see these guys, and sometimes we're good friends like that. Oh, I'll help you. And they call you in the middle of the night or whatever, and you go, well, yeah, it's a little inconvenient right now. And, you know, call me another time and I'll help you. These guys, when it happened, they said, we'll do whatever it takes. Their faith had action. Their faith had feet to it. Their faith had some hands to it. They dug through the dirt. You see, if you're going to be a person of faith, you're going to be a person of action. Not just words. You're going to follow through. Some things are going to happen. And Jesus looked up and saw their faith. All the sweat and everything they went through, I believe when Jesus went up, well, he probably gave it one of these. And those guys sweat. It's worth it. It's worth it. There's things that are honorable as we see that happening here. Now, why did these guys have faith? Here's the reason they had faith. They believed that if they could get their friend to Jesus, Jesus could solve the friend's problem. Do you believe that? Priorities. That was the topic of discussion today. We learned that our first priority should be our walk with God. Being in line with Him should cause all our other relationships to fall into their proper place. 
Pastor Mark also shared with us that after our Creator, our next priority should be our spouse. One day, all your children will grow up and leave the house. Then what's left? You and your spouse. Make it a priority to nurture that relationship. Facebook and Twitter have become a regular part of our everyday lives, and we want to be sure to encourage you to check out our Facebook page and Twitter feed. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links. You can find information about everything that's happening at Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time on Lessons for Living, we'll learn what to do when life seems off balance and relationships aren't quite what they should be. When you're having issues in one area or another, Pastor Mark will share with us that we need to turn to God and His Word. We need to gain perspective. We need to seek wisdom. And we need godly discernment. We can't fix our own issues. That's why we need God. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the Gospel of Mark. That's next time on Lessons for Living. 